My name is Jill Munson, and I am the co-founder of Wildling. And what I love about beauty is that it gives you this opportunity to provide yourself with self-love and self-care. It just gives you space to make you feel beautiful. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. On today's episode, we are buzzing about consumer messaging and how to get your brand's most important selling points out into the marketplace. I'm Jessica Quick, your co-host, and as always, I am joined by my co-host and business co-partner, Denise. Denise, what sparked this conversation, um, as you know, was you and I were speaking about some of our recent clients and bringing them on board. And I think it really was with you, but one of our clients really went into this long list of USPs, long list, and they were very innovative. But it was really fascinating about how many unique points that they wanted to make sure we got into the marketplace when they launched the brand. And it's great. In today's environment, you need a lot of unique selling points. Yeah, I think the big question is, but do you? Do you really need so many unique selling points that you confuse the messaging? And that's always a challenge in today's environment where everybody's got a brand, everybody's got unique selling points. If you have too many, it looks unfocused in some ways and people can't remember it. So I know that that's something that, you know, when we were talking to this client, we said, hold on, we've got three pages now of unique selling points. And let's pull back from that a little bit and focus on the ones that we really want. So I agree with you. Today's episode is a really good example of how to pull back and edit. So I know that we're thrilled to have Jill on the show with us today. Welcome, Jill. We wanted to jump on this opportunity to invite you to the show. You're a longtime beauty veteran, especially in the product development and marketing space, and recently co-founded a beautiful brand called Wildling, which if you start to really research, could have pages and pages and pages of unique selling points. And we want to tap into your expertise today and really understand how you're able to edit as well as you do and keep your key message points to the top of the pile. So welcome, Jill. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Super grateful to be here. And yeah, such a good question. I mean, we feel the same way at Wildling. I, we're so passionate about all the different aspects that go into the brand, and they are all could be considered those unique selling points. And it's so much noise. It's really hard to communicate all of them. I mean, even to the point of like, something as granular as a product and all the amazing. I'm also an herbalist and I care so much about every plant and I feel like all every plant deserves a spotlight. <laughs> There's no one that's better than the other, but you can't like talk about every ingredient. It just gets lost. So we kind of try to pare it down to only three ingredients maximum would be really talked about even though there's probably five to, to 10 that are really powerful in the formula. So that's just even a small little example. But with the brand itself, there's a lot of points. My co-founder, I have two co-founders, an esthetician and acupuncturist, and we all bring together these different pieces of wellness that come together to create Wildling. 
And so it's really, we've, what we've tried to do is just pull those three pillars essentially together. So it's like herbalism, the art of acupuncture and wellness and healing as a whole body, as a holistic, and then holistic esthetician, like coming from a natural focus on beauty. So with those three things, we've tried to kind of focus on the alchemy of three. So everything that we try to do is just no more than three, no more than three points, no more than three ingredients. And so we have so much messaging that we could say, but we try to just kind of narrow it down to this, like we focus on the cosmos, the stone medicine, like kind of just an overarching theme rather than going really deep into like each unique thing. So that's really what we've done. And also just kind of what resonates with our audience too, and what's connecting. And we just kind of go with that and focus on those, those points as well. Let's definitely start there. I would love to understand, take us back to the Genesis story. So you've got this beautiful idea. How do you meet your two other co-founders? And what was it that was the catalyst to bring Wildling to market and, and really kind of help us understand this beginning point for Wildling? I mean, it truly was, I feel like, a divine intervention. <laughs> it was very cosmic, and which is so cool because our brand is so much embodies that. But the three of us met at a workshop that Britta, many, many years ago, 2016 or around there, was hosting on facial gua sha. And I had never heard of facial gua sha at the time. And I I wanted, I just had heard about the workshop and I wanted to attend it. And I was in a space in my life where I had just had my children. I had taken time off from working and I was kind of just really open to a next step in my life, like where I wanted to go with my career. So I was really at an open place as well. And then she hosted this workshop and I went and she was so passionate about the technique. It's something that she's been practicing and found such powerful results on her clients in her practice. And I was like, this is amazing and like approached her at the end of the workshop and Gianna was there as well and had her background with gua sha and acupuncture and I was like you know it would be so powerful if you because she was teaching it with you know some like other oils and products and uh, just a stock gua sha tool and I was like you should have like your own oils and formulas that skincare that really maximize the results of working with this ritual and this technique and then have your own tool that's like shaped with like exactly how you want it. And she's like, that sounds amazing, but I have no idea how to do that. She's like, I just like work on people's faces. And I was like, well, I do. I'm like, let's do a little collab or something. So it started out as a small little idea. And as we kind of played with it more, we were like, it became a bigger idea and a bigger concept of like, and what gua sha meant to us and like how it was just this like empowering technique that we, that works, that's honoring the, our traditions and history. And that also is, is something that people can take time for themselves and care for themselves and carve that space out and connect with themselves. We found it as representing something so much more and felt that it could really be something special that we could bring out as a brand to the world. So that's where it kind of developed into something bigger. It was amazing. It was just like one of those things. The universe was circling around us to, to make it happen. I say that all the time about Denise and I's relationship. So, you know, it was a cosmic intervention that Denise <laughs> and I got together. So it is. <laughs> Something like that, right? <laughs> and those are the most powerful. You know, it's meant to be. 
Yeah. Well, it is kind of funny that when you're in this business, particularly coming from product development, it's like you see new product wherever you go because you're always thinking about it. You're always thinking about new ideas and, oh, I saw this great example. And it's hard to contain yourself when you see an opportunity like that. So I think that we can appreciate that uh, new product development enthusiasm. Yes. When I saw that, because it was before Guasha had come to the United States in any real way. And so it was like, this is going to be amazing, you know, and then we launched and it's, we were the first to market in the United States really fully with a branded kind of for consumer product with Guasha. So it really started this like crazy, I guess it's just kind of like a movement with people working with these tools. That's awesome. Well, you nailed it for sure. I do have a question about the relationship of the three founders and making decisions with three founders. So we talked about editing and the need for editing your messaging and all of those things. And then you talked about, you know, having three founders. And I know just with Jessica and I, and even working together for a decade, it's sometimes difficult when you have so many ideas and everybody's idea is really important to them. I think my big question to start with is how do you take three different founders with three different ideas that are obviously passionate about those and edit? What is your magic sauce there? It is a challenge sometimes, but at the same time, it's really a gift to have the different perspectives all together. I really feel like we complement each other a lot in our ideas and what we bring forward. I see it more as as a value add and we haven't run into anything really. There's been sometimes in product development when we're working on a product, we have found that there's been some challenges, but we've just kind of created processes to make sure that we can get through all of that and really streamline what we're trying to say at the end and that we are all in agreement before we go further with anything. So we've just, if we ever come up against something, we've just tried to work it out and then create a process for anything going forward. So we don't waste time and resource with it. What was interesting with Wildling was when you came to market, you really have, I saw it as two kind of parts to the business. You have your tools, so your gua sha and your cupping, but then you also have your product line, which is heavily leaning into the botanicals, the Chinese traditional medicine. And both of those require a lot of education to the consumer. I find that really interesting. How do you approach knowing you've got to talk about how to use the tools and help people understand why they need to be using them every day? And then you take the product, which most people would understand product, but your product is so full of these very different botanicals, very specific and unique, and you have to educate on those and why they're so important. So how do you find the resources or how do you balance those two really big messaging points and not have them get lost in the mix? Yeah, that is such a good question. And I have to say, not something that we totally like thought out in in advance with the education piece. Obviously, we knew that the gua sha requires education, and that was something that we were going to be up against. But at the same time, we were Gianna and Britta are educators. Britta has an academy where she trains estheticians. And so she, by nature, also is like, that's part of her career path as an educator. And Gianna has also done a lot of education and retreats and that sort of thing. So it's, it actually was kind of a blessing for us with, with the gua sha because we sold through education. We basically just show people how to do it and then they buy it. It was like 
they wanted our product because we showed them how to work with it with our product, not how to use. It wouldn't work with somebody else's. They don't have the same patented design. So it actually became, especially on social media, became a blessing, the education with the tools. Social media, the algorithm really favors, especially on Instagram, just very value-added videos and educational type stuff is considered value add. So Instagram favors those types of things. So in the algorithm, that also really helped us too, because we weren't just putting out like selling pictures, we were putting out free classes, basically free mini workshops. And so people save them. We have like our engagement is incredibly high. People save, people share, people rewatch, lots of engagement and comments. So So the education was a blessing for us because it was a way to sell our product. And then for the formulas, it's also, that was where it's more of a challenge for us because it's not as visual for educating in that way. So that is where we've kind of been in like, okay, like we have these really amazing, powerful plant-based formulas. They really work, but they're kind of been got like, in the shadow of the washa. So that's where we've been kind of playing with pushing those forward more and focusing more on, on the formula. And, and like I said, we're, we're really focusing as we go forward to not have it any more than like a couple key ingredients that we can really blast out and talk about and tell. As being an herbalist and, and the brand really focusing on, you know, traditions, our herbal traditions is how our products are made. So everything, that's why they're a little bit unique is it's based off of our grandmothers and grandmothers, grandmas, how they made their medicine. So they work with plants that are around us and that's not always how beauty products are made. So that's what's unique about us, but it's also requires education. And once you start talking about it though, people get really excited they like love the history and love the like plant and the connection and all of that. And that's in our name, Wildling. So for us, it's just been more of a challenge on social media to do the formula side. So we've been working on other outlets of education. We do workshops. We just had a workshop last week. We do education through our emails and um, we have like little booklets that come with the product. So there's other things that we do as well. And as we go forward, we're focusing on like ways that we can better educate as well continuing to find ways to tell the story, both graphically and in words, right? Yeah, it's all about the story. It is. And that's what's challenging is, is like you said, if you have too many stories, it gets lost. So it has to be some sort of one bigger story that you can tell with everything. Well, I know a part of your story is this idea of techniques and just techniques in general between gua sha and cupping. So Talk to us a little bit about the role that that plays within the brand and how you really leverage that to tell the story. Yeah, I mean, the technique, like I had just said, is so important. And that's why the education, we put so much time into the education because we want people to get results. You know, we want people, we want it to work for people. And if you pick up a tool and you maybe saw a couple videos, you might do it wrong and you won't see the same results. So for us, we really put a lot of focus. We don't charge for our education. We have free workshops we hold. We have Zoom workshops. We do a lot of different education points that are free. And we have a very deep YouTube channel. We have lots of video tutorials on our website. So we do a lot of different tutorials, teaching technique. It's just a matter of somebody that's interested. And most people watch them. I mean, everyone that we we communicate with does. And so, you know, that's really... The point there is we want them to do it right, you know, and so that's why a lot of times you'll see Britta or Gianna up there 
doing those videos because they are the experts in the technique. And um, we work with some other professionals that we showcase as well that are very good with the technique as well. We try to make sure that we're always showcasing proper technique and that people can get those results. I have to say what I was really drawn to, like you mentioned with social media, was your ability to overlay you know, somebody doing the actual technique, but then adding graphics over the top. So when you're watching it, it's really easy to understand what direction you're moving the tool, how, why. You've done a really nice job of simplifying, I think, something that can be very intimidating and utilizing the tools like Instagram, like video, video over video and graphics that help, you know, somebody to really start to understand and be less intimidated. And now I'm able to go from there to YouTube and watch it more in depth because it's interesting. And then from there, reach out and maybe attend a workshop. I can see the customer journey very clearly in your communication path. And I really appreciate how simple it is to understand and to follow along and then to get to the next step at the end being ultimately to buy the tool, which is a great process. Yeah, definitely. That's very accurate. Yeah. The the overlays are really helpful that you mentioned and people we've done a couple that have done really well that are like half face and it shows cupping versus gua sha. People really appreciate like the difference, what does what and like the different technique with each right there. And then we also have a lot of face maps that we do as well that are not as much focused on technique, but they help you understand what is going on in those areas of the face and why it's important to like work on those areas um, because it's working on different aspects of, of the entire body. It's done a really nice job of making the consumer the hero of the journey, right? Because you guys have done a nice job of really conveying the story in a way that you can picture yourself in it and saying, okay, how does this help me? How does this benefit me? And how do I understand it quickly? So I think that one of the key things that I picked up on was that and wanting to be able to talk with you about that, because that's not an easy process. It takes such an extreme amount of editing, like Denise mentioned at the beginning of this, that you have to really sit down. You know, it's great to have these big ideas and we do them and they get complicated, but to really edit them, to make them as simple as possible, I think that's really the skill set. So I was really excited to kind of talk with you about just that process. And you guys have nailed it, I feel like, in explaining something that could be complicated. So really nice job on utilizing the tools that we have available today, like video and overlays and and even just user content. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, you know, a journey as well and just playing around. But that's one of the things that's been a big advantage being launching as a D2C, initially D2C brand. We do sell at wholesale now, but you get so in touch with your customer and what resonates and how to talk to them. And they talk back and you get to have this two-way conversation. And it's really, it's very, very valuable. And you just continue to edit and refine based off of the feedback that you get. Let's talk about your distribution strategy. It's always a passion spot for us in talking about D2C versus B2B and some combination thereof. We're you know, sitting here around the holiday season and that's when people do both things, right? They shop online and now they're going back in store. So talk to us a little bit about your distribution strategy. Yeah, I mean, we are still, the bulk of our business is D2C. But we also sell at Credo and Blue Mercury. And we sold at Credo since we launched at Credo in the first year of our business. And then Blue Mercury in the second year. And so we're there. We sell in all the stores at Credo. We sell in about 20 stores at Blue Mercury. And, you know, just 
doing more work to engage with events and um, workshops and different educational stuff that we can do in the stores, gift with purchases, all that kind of stuff to support our business there. And as we go into next year, we're definitely looking to take on another wholesale partner that's strategic for us as well, as we're, you know, continuing to expand our business for next year. In talking about wholesale, I think the question always comes up when you're at start as a D2C brand, when is the right time to go into B2B? And how do you ensure that you're selling off the shelf and not just selling on the shelf? For us, I mean, Credo, we wanted to be in, I met with Annie, like way initial before I even had a product. And she was just so amazing. And it was like, we'll take it. It's amazing. We'll take it in all stores. Call me when you're ready. That was just like an amazing thing. So we always wanted to like, we knew Credo was like going to be a great partner for us. And so for us, it was like, we were D2C. We have not raised, we're bootstrapped. We've self-funded. We started on social and that my business partner, Britta, also is very influential in her space. So that helped us a lot initially. We really didn't have any, we didn't have an APR agency. We didn't have anything. It was just us, you know, like trying to like sell some product and it turned out to work quite well. It went off with a bang. So that was like our initial place. And then we got really comfortable with like continuing to expand the D2C and it was naturally supporting Credo at the same time. And then Blue Mercury wanted to take us on. So we did that as well. But I think it was just like an organic process for us. And we had a lot, like after we initially launched, we had a lot of people, a lot of wholesalers coming to us, like smaller wholesalers coming to us, wanting to carry our product, a lot of estheticians. We were just not at a place where we resource wise could support all these smaller doors, these smaller professional, their entities were, it was just we had to say not right now to a lot of them. And so that was really where we had to make these strategic decisions and be like, okay, we would love to support all of these different places, but we just have to stay focused and focus on our D2C and these two key retailers that we've connected with. And so that's kind of where we landed. We ended up saying no to a lot of people. So it was hard. Some people, it was hard to say no. And we had to have a long conversations and like, it's kind of the topic of this. It's just like, we have to stay focused, you know? Yeah. Edit. You had to edit. We only had so much resource to support and we didn't want to be under supporting partners. Look, saying no is one of the most powerful things you can do. It's not a matter of saying yes to everything. That becomes very hard and complicated, but you know, it's something that we say all the time, you know, are you comfortable saying no to opportunities until you're really ready and put them in a lineup so you can really excel? Yeah. For the purpose of success of the business, you know, to, to be able to succeed. And prioritize. I mean, if it's marketing messaging or if it's wholesalers that you can support or business opportunities, it comes down to what you can support successfully and really what fits within that strategy. And it sounds like you did I know it grew organically, but the strategy starting was you knew that first retailer you wanted to be in, which then knowing that obviously would, I imagine, influence your product development and things because obviously they have a very specific list of what you can have in the ingredients in order to come in. So just even having that first, I'm going to call it focus to really guide you to making sure that you were ready to support them the way that they would need to, to be successful is it's a really good starting point. Yeah, absolutely. I want to dive into that a little bit because going back to your products and the botanicals and how unique a lot of your ingredients are, 
I'm really interested in how do you work through, you've got two big retailers, your business is growing. And so you've got these very unique ingredients that aren't easy to come by. You know, you can't just run out and get some more jojoba because you have that. You don't. And so how do you manage that supply chain with your small farms, with your unique ingredients? In some cases, they're only harvested a few times a year. How do you manage the demand against the supply chain of your unique ingredients? That is like such an amazing question. And as we've grown, we've had to shift so that we can better scale with the current formulas that we have, they are all very, yes, wild harvested ingredients, working with local farms, organically grown. Some only one farm like offers that type of ingredient because it's so unique. We have a couple ingredients like that where we can really only get it from one source. So, and most plants are only harvested once a year. I mean, that's just part of, of nature. And so no matter where you buy it from, even if you buy it from a large raw material supplier, that same plant that you're buying from a large raw, it, it also is only harvested once a year. But the difference being is that they probably work with multiple different farms across the world that can harvest it perhaps at different times because of the climate. And then they immediately extract it and preserve it so that it has like the shelf life. And so that is what's happening when you work with a larger raw material supplier that you can scale. Now, when you're working with farms, for example, our, our sweet fern that's in our Empress Hydrosooth face mist, that is literally like a wild, it grows wild on organic land. Once a year, they go out and harvest it. In the fields, they press it right there into the into the stills, and then that's what we get. That's like fresh plant cellular water. There's like nothing more fresh than that. And that's why our ingredients are just like, our products are just so vibrant and amazing. But <laughs> yes, the challenge is. And so what we've done with that is there's a couple ingredients that are that case, Sweet Firm being one of them. We've had incredibly close relationships with our farms. We work with them far in advance, which is just a matter of planning and accurate forecasting, So, which is challenging. And so especially being a young company, it is really challenging. But if we work with them and they're like, just tell us how much you want, like we'll grow enough for you. So they have to grow enough to therefore harvest enough. And so it's just a way out in advance planning process. And, and then we'll totally have enough. So there's no problem their sweet fern can grow. It's it's a weed. It grows forever. It's not hard to grow. It's just, you need to tell me how much you need. That's the kind of thing that it is. Now, our balm of Gilead is a wild harvested. It's not planted. The sweet fern is wild as well, but because it's a weed, they can just seed it and it will grow. So that one is harder. So we've had to find, we found an additional farm that would supply that. And that was really helpful for us. But we don't use that ingredient in any of our other products in any dominant way because it is very limited. And so that's the challenge there. And as we continue to develop new skincare products, we are working with ingredients that can be more easily scaled because it is a challenge. And without compromising our values in being very connected with how it's been grown, how it's been harvested, how it's been handled, how it's been preserved, that sort of thing. So we've just been working with certain larger suppliers that have that same ethos, which there are, they do exist. So it's possible. You just have to do the research. And forecast. You saw me perk up when you said the word forecasting. It's both one of our favorite words and the fortune telling of forecasting. I know. It's really hard. I'm like, uh, I don't know. What do you think? 
<laughs> but then at some point you do put pencil to paper and you start to get analytical about it, right? Totally. I mean, we, we've been fine. It's been an art, but we have, you know, I have a couple of people that work with us that are very good at it. It's more that if we were to take on a larger wholesaler, that's where it would change the, the pace of the forecast. That's where we're at. We're good now, but like if we take do that, we have to readjust. Yeah, no, makes sense. I do want to turn back to something that you said earlier, being self-funded and gritty and bootstrap were two of the words that you mentioned. And we have a lot of founders that listen to this show. And those are some of the words that they come up with is we have to, you know, be gritty. We have to bootstrap this. What advice do you have for them now that you've kind of gone through this and come out the other side with a brand that has reached a level of success? When you talk about gritty and bootstrap, what are some of your ideas that you have? I actually so appreciate that we bootstrapped because it's totally ours. We don't, we're not answering to anybody else or it's our own trials and triumphs. And so for that, it was just like, you're fully in the game. You're fully in the game. This is my, literally my money that I've saved for my life and I'm going to make this work, you know? So you have such a deep passion to succeed when you bootstrap. And then you're also just very, I think, very focused with making sure that every single thing you do is laddering up to the success of the business and that the goals and the ethos and the pillars of the business, and you kind of do away with the fluffs because you don't, you can't afford it. And you end up running a more efficient business because of it, you know? So I think building yourself on that is incredibly important. Even if you do get funding, I mean, I think just having that ethos in you that you're running in, in a very efficient way and doing things that are always laddering up to that. The companies I've worked for in the past have, I've learned that from even I worked at L'Oreal and obviously they're not <laughs> in that situation, but the way they run their business is very efficient. Like they don't have a lot of, you're like on like a very large aspect that you have to manage. They don't have assistants like doing things for you. You're doing it. They run lean is what they say. And so I think that that ethos in being such a big company, you learn as a small little startup bootstrapping is to run lean and to like do everything you need to do. It's like your whole heart's in it to succeed. Jill, it's been such a pleasure to really dive into not only Wildling, but even the way that you think about it and the examples and advice that you have. I really appreciate the time today. And I know our listeners, they definitely engage. And so if they wanted to reach out to you, if they wanted to get in touch with you, what's some ways that they can do that? Yeah, amazing. And thank you so much for the opportunity to chat today. You can find us at wildling.com, wildling.com, and also on Instagram at wildling underscore beauty. And on TikTok at all our handles are the same, wildling underscore beauty. We're on every channel. And you can DM us, you can email us through our website. We're very responsive to all outreach. So look forward to hearing from you <laughs> or seeing you. Well, thank you so much, Jill. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. And if you want to keep buzzing with us, head on over to buzzbeauty.com. This has been Beauty is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. 
Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 